What is up, loud crowd? We are here, and we are live to review the new Lighthouse and the Consigranes episode, and I am joined by my co-host. Hi everyone, this is Ryan, R.W. Mead. Once again, it's great to be back with everyone. So Ryan, um... Uh, we'll, no, we'll talk about, um, any, uh, some Lighthouse news, uh, and Costa Grande news towards the end of the show, but, um, just before we begin, um, any overarching, uh, topics you want to talk about that you feel are urgent before we get into the reviews? Uh, what were you saying? Uh, any topics you want to talk about before we get into the reviews? Uh, not really. Uh, there was some stuff I was going to talk about in the news segment, the departure of some familiar faces from the Loud House world, but we'll get into that in more detail when we after we finish the reviews. Okay, so the first episode that came out um, last week, um, Ryan, the Loud House episode, why don't you tell us a summary about it? Okay, um... Uh, which episode are we going to do first? Because they actually aired in different order they were produced, and I was actually watching them online, and it was uh, the production order, which is where Lovebirds comes first, and I know uh, when it aired, Rocketman came first, so what episode should we talk about let's, first? Let's do Rocketman first, so why don't you give us a summary for it? Okay. Uh, in this episode, uh, Lincoln and Clyde were watching a science fiction movie, and they saw an advertisement for an astronaut-themed sleepaway camp where you get to learn how to become an astronaut. And they thought it sounded really exciting, so both Lincoln and Clyde encouraged their parents to allow them to go, and both of them said yes, so they went off to the space camp together. But unfortunately for them, it was nothing like they expected it to be. The food was disgusting. They had to sleep in... Uh, be, um, in sleeping bags upside down, and basically everything went wrong. So they did not like it at all. So both Lincoln and Clyde asked their parents if they could come back home, and both uh, both Rita and Lynn Senior and Clyde's dad said no. Um, you know, you made this decision, and we have to, you know you have to tough it out, which uh, really disappointed Lincoln and Clyde. So they came up with an idea that they were going to escape from the camp and go home, uh, which of course, as most of Lincoln and Clyde's plans do, did not go very well for them. They tried to hijack a moon rover and drive it out of the part, uh, out of the camp, which was really funny. But it turns out that it went really slow. Uh, they did another a uh, number of other things that didn't work, and eventually they found a building, uh, a recycling center that they could sneak into and exit right uh, right next to the uh, exit, but unfortunately they got into the wrong building and they ended up in the flight simulator instead, and it started, and they had to act as if they were in outer space and uh, pilot this rocket ship, but they didn't do very well, so they had to put on their spacesuits and reset the oxygen system. And they actually did a really good job and had a lot of fun doing it. And so they decided, you know, 
our parents were right. Once we got around to it, um, this um, ha- going to space camp actually was pretty fun, even though it didn't seem like it at first. And then uh, both of their parents came and said, you know, we realized something. Uh, we were wrong. We shouldn't have made you stay somewhere you didn't want to stay. And Lincoln and Clyde explained to them, actually, we changed your mind. This is fantastic. We want to stay here. But then again, you drove all this way to bring us home. And we didn't, uh, and you know, we wouldn't want to make it a burden on you. But they said, it's okay. Um, if, as long as you're having fun, you can stay. I thought this was a really cute episode and a very funny episode as well because uh, along with Last Loud on Earth, I thought this was one of the uh, best uh, Clink and McCloud-themed episodes this season. And I think it's, again, like all the best episodes of The Loud House are, not only is it a funny episode, but it's also a relatable episode. I think it's something uh, we can all relate to because I think we've all had situations like this where we were in an unfamiliar place and we wanted to go home immediately, but somehow we were able to tough it out and, you know, basically realize how how interesting it is i was kind of like that as a kid i was i was kind of like almost a hypochondriac i was trying to make every excuse to go home from school because i didn't really like it that much but eventually as i got older i started really liking school and um being independent and such so i think i think it's how all how you look at things and uh sammy crowley who was the writer of this episode did a very nice uh long write-up on twitter about where the idea for this episode came from and she revealed it's from her own personal experiences and I'm going to read that right now this was an episode I've wanted to do for years, as this lesson is extremely close to my heart. I had two experiences as a kid where I went to an overnight camp and on the first night called home begging to be picked up, and you know what my parents said both times? Nope. Good luck. It taught me a lot about sticking out a tough situation and trying to find the silver lining, or in the worst of the two situations, knowing that bad things come to an end. I felt like a camp with a space theme would be perfect for Lincoln and Claude, and would also lend itself to a ton of funny visuals and gags. And big shout out to my dear friend Taryn, who gave me tons of useful insight as a kid who didn't enjoy astronaut camp, and who voices herself as the camp counselor. I'm so proud of the way this one turned out, and so much of that is because of... One of the most talented board artists around, Jordan Rosado, our truly outstanding director, Jessica Barutsky, and the whole design team led by the extraordinary Ashley Clement Baker. And one of the things she touched on there is uh, one of the voices in this episode, the camp counselor, was uh, Taryn Van Slyke, who is a social media manager at Nickelodeon. She manages uh, the Loud House's social media accounts, actually. And uh, you may recognize her face, even if it's a cartoon caricature, and her voice, because uh, last year uh, she was the co-host of a series of uh, behind-the-scenes videos uh, that Nickelodeon did on YouTube called inside Nick, so you might recognize from her, that, her from there. But I thought she did a very good job as the guest voice because of the fact that her character was so energetic and always doing backflips and everything, which uh, if you've seen the inside uh, Nick videos, is, is pretty much not that much far of a stretch as the way she appeared on camera, but it's very interesting that she said she personally hated Space Camp as a child when she went there, so it's interesting that she was able to lend her experience to this story about, you know, going to some place you hate and 
in this case, the opposite is true. They ended up toughing it out and liking it. But I think that's the sort of situation where you don't know whether or not you're going to like a thing until you try it. Yeah, just very well said on the review. So uh, my thoughts about the episode is that, um, like you were saying, the message about of um, a lot of kids, you know, kids are very impatient. And Link and the Clyde, you know, they're 11-year-olds, you know. Uh, situations like this, it's like when you um when you're walking on a toy store and you tell um a five year old that um any toy that they pick up right now they have to make sure they still want it by the time you leave the store and in many cases they still don't want it after because there are many situations in which they'll take the toy home and they actually won't want to keep it so it turns out to be a waste of time and money so it's a good way to highlight you know children are very impatient and um. That uh, Lincoln and Clyde just need to spend more time, like you were saying. Um, at first, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable in a situation to be thrust into a new situation, especially when you're more comfortable in um, known spaces. But um, it was a really good way to show how kids are able to um, adapt to a new situation, especially when they're uh, a little bit more patient with those uh, new uh, situations. And overall, the episode is um, it's uh, I I guess I'm not as high on it. Uh, on it as you are, um, I kind of was, uh, underwhelmed, uh, when I watched it for the uh, first time, and, um, I guess it progressed a little bit too slowly for me as an episode overall, and, um, I guess the parents kind of seemed kind of robotic, I mean, I get them saying no, but they kind of seem pretty okay with them, uh, just, uh, just wasting their time driving up there, but, um, overall, a pretty solid episode, uh, any final thoughts? Really, I think uh, you pre that that was a very interesting analogy you made about a child and a toy. So I think we pretty much covered uh, all the bases here. Awesome. So the next episode was called Lovebirds, and the episode went down like this. Uh, it's kind of it's the second episode they've done, you know, featuring mostly the pets. Ever since that one in um season two, do you remember the name? Uh, yes, that one was Pets Peeved. Yeah, and that one focused more on all four of them, and uh, uh, like a new friend, or quote-unquote friend that was there. But in this episode, um, it was pretty interesting, because um, Walt was um, had the huts for a flamingo, I don't want to say manic, but flamingo uh, lawn prop that Mr. Grouse had. And, um, you know, after he found out it wasn't real, I guess, um, the other uh, pets... Um, Charles, Cliff, and Jill decided they wanted to try to find him a mate. You know, they go through some, um, some other birds. There was an owl that they threw up because, like, the owl just uh, can spin his head all over. And then there was, like, a, a pretty de depressed, I don't know, dove that Lucy was, um, Lucy was actually, uh, showing around things around, like, her funeral interest. And, um, you know, it was really tough, but in the end, they finally found a really interesting bird companion, um, for Walt, and, um, at first, they hit it off really well, I mean, they have, uh, like, it's kind of like the Disney movie, I'm forgetting the name, but, um, they have that, like, uh, pasta spaghetti scene where they're sharing a meal, very romantic scene, everything seems to be going well, but it turns out that that bird is one of the kind of, um, birds that actually travels, um, Towards the south, whenever the temperature gets too cold, uh, migrate, migration birds. So, Walt's pretty sad because his uh, new companion is going to leave. But, um, being the great friends that they are, the other pets decide to make the inside of the barn, like, um, like Florida, basically, all warm for, um, 
the other bird to stay, and everything seems to be doing, going great, they play chess, they have fun in the beach setting, funny enough, that beach setting was made by taking, um, taking stuff from the other lot of kids, who I'll touch on in a little bit, but, um, yeah, everything seems great, but then, um, the bird misses, um, her family, and, um, it's pretty sad, she has to leave, then, um, the pastor decided, uh, you know, Walt, you should go and be with your companion, because love is, uh, hard to find. Walt goes there, but same thing happens to Walt. He misses his family, and, um, it's just, uh, back and forth, and it's, uh, it's a pretty heartwarming ending, you know, that, um, long-distance relationships are tough, relationships in general are tough, but, um, I know Walt was, uh, kind of hurting the end, but, um, we get a pretty, uh, good ending overall in the episode, um, Ryan, what are your thoughts about the episode? I thought this was a really interesting episode because I think I touched upon when we talked about A Mud Above last week that of all the characters in the Loud House universe, uh, the pets are the ones that are uh, pretty much uh, most underutilized. And I thought it was really interesting that this actually is the first episode we've had. That is from the pet's point of view. Uh, you mentioned Pet Peeves earlier, but that was kind of like a general episode. Uh, like, we, it didn't really have a point of view from any particular character because we saw both how the loud children were commenting about... Uh, falling in love with the new dog and also the pet's jealousy regarding it. And it's interesting that we've had two experimental episodes this season. One of them was Any Given Sunday, which was pretty much from Lily's point of view. And now we have this one, which is from the pet's point of view, which is really interesting because most of the episode is without dialogue, since, of course, the pets can't talk. But it's pretty interesting that occasionally the pets are with the loud children and they kind of fill in some of the gaps that the pets themselves couldn't, but we actually see it from the pet's point of view, so we always see the loud children from the waist down because we're actually looking at it from the pet's perspective, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I thought it was also pretty clever um, that... You know, this was just sort of the kind of thing that I don't think the Louds even knew what was going on here, except maybe for Lana, because there were a couple of funny gags, like where Lana said, you know, I think Walt's disappointed because he put a do not disturb sign on his cage, and he's like, wait, Walt can actually write? No, I know how to read Canary. And then at the end of the episode, well, when Walt gets the postcard, there's the, a similar gag where he's like, uh, they ask her, she actually knows how to read? that and he says no i can read duck so lana's the only loud who's like in touch with the animals so she's probably the only one who knew about this whole situation but i i think it was a very cute story and it was very cleverly done and the ending was very cute kind of the resolution like you know, if Walt, if the duck stayed with Walt, the duck would miss its family, and if Walt stayed with the duck, it would miss uh, Charles, uh, Cliff, and Geo. So they had to do the right thing and let them be. And as the saying goes, if you love something, set it free. But as they point out at the end of the episode, the duck will be back up north for the for the spring. So at least Walt has something to look forward to every year. So he's not totally alone. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing it to sister episode, um, Pets Peeved, um, what did they work better in this episode, worked worse, or what kind of things did you notice were similarities or differences? Uh, with what episode? Pets Peeved. Oh, 
Well, as I mentioned, the main difference in this episode is that it is completely from the pet's point of view, in that we're seeing the story from the pet's perspective, and the only time we see the louds is when they're interacting with them, or they see them interacting with other birds, so we never actually see their faces, whereas Pets Peeved was kind of equally balanced between uh, the louds comment, uh, commenting and learning and finding Watterson and how cute he was and the pets uh, being jealous and trying to, you know, bring him to the pound and realizing they did the wrong things and letting him free again. So uh, it, it's from this episode is totally from the perspective of the pets, whereas Pets Peeved wasn't. That's one of the major differences that stood out to me. So also, Ryan, um, coming into the episode, we knew it was the last episode that um, Miguel Puga and um, the storyboard artist for his episode, um, whose um, name I'm forgetting, uh, the last one that worked on the show. Yeah, Demi Doan. And, um, so what are your thoughts about this, you know, this being their final episode? I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, they left, but they're not too far because the Casa Grande's uh, staff is right down the hall from the Loud House. But um, I think it's pretty cool that uh, Miguel and uh, Diem uh, got to go out on a good and interesting note. And it's also funny that uh, Diem's very first episode on the Casa Grande's, the two of clubs, which we're going to talk about, uh, aired on the exact same day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the next episode. We're going to talk about the two of clubs. Ryan, why don't you give us a summary? Okay. Uh, The episode starts with uh, Ronnie Ann and Sid on the subway. Um, As they're getting ready to go to school, uh, they realize the fact that they have to pick an extracurricular club for after-school activity. And Sid comments on the fact that, you know, I really want to you know, do something together with you because, you know, it'll give us more time to hang out together. So uh, they decide to look at all the clubs that are available, and the first one they're interested in is uh, Lucha Libre, which uh, Ronnie Ann, not surprisingly, takes a very... uh, Ronnie Ann takes very... Uh, quickly too, um, but Sid is kind of naive when it comes to the whole thing. She's she's kind of childlike. She doesn't want to fight. She's more interested in dressing in costumes and making up backstories for the wrestlers, which I thought was funny. Uh, like when the uh, other kids in the club were about to beat her up, she was just like, ooh, your costumes are pretty. They're red. What's your backstory supposed to be? Like, are you I, I, it was, are you like cheese that escaped from factory or something it was just very funny seeing Sid be very childlike and naive not really realizing that she is probably going to get beaten to a pulp so that didn't work out for uh, them and so uh, they decided to try the robotics club next uh, and Sid took to that immediately uh, but Ronnie Ann didn't she tried to fix the uh, breakfast robot that Sid made but uh, she did something wrong, and it started throwing pancakes everywhere. So they were both disappointed because they couldn't find something the both of them liked together. So they tried all sorts of different clubs, and it was pretty much the same thing. Whatever club Ronnie Ann ended up loving, uh, Sid ended up hating, and whatever club Sid ended up loving, uh, Ronnie Ann ended up hating. So uh, they decided to they decided to uh, give up the whole thing. 
and uh, just forget about it. But eventually they realized how much fun they had. There was a cute scene where they're both in, in their respective beds looking at the photos of them having fun uh, on their phones. And they realized, you know, I, I have to do the right thing for my friend, even if they don't like it. Uh, that. Um, it's still something that they want to do, and sometimes, you know, you have to sacrifice, do something that you don't like uh, in order to make your friend happy. So the next day, Ronnie Ann goes to the uh, cooking club looking for Sid, and she's not there, and Sid goes to the lucha club looking for Ronnie Ann, but she's not there. It turns out both of them went to the other club that both of them liked uh, at the exact same time, trying to find the other one, because they thought that they would be there, and they eventually meet up with each other in the hall, and they talk about the whole situation, and uh, what ends up happening is there was a, a funny running gag where this uh, little nerdy kid named Laird he keeps uh, getting the the worst things happening to him in whatever club that Ronnie Ann and Sid are trying to do. He's always getting beat up or being attacked by the robot or something, but uh, they put a lucha mask on the breakfast robot for some reason, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, are you starting a Lucha Libre robot club? That's pretty awesome. Can I join? And of course they had no intention of that, but they love the idea so much that they actually decide to start uh, doing it and the episode ends with them in their new uh, robot lucha club and they're finally happy that they were able to find uh, something to do together. Uh, this was a very cute episode. Uh, it reminded me, a I know this is going to be a strange thing to say, but it reminded me a lot uh, of not, not without, it reminded me a lot of the episode of Racing Hearts, uh, but without the relationship aspect because one of the things I loved about uh, Racing Hearts is that it was in intentionally uh, vague and open-ended as to whether or not Luna and Sam were talking about whether or not their friendship would get off on the right foot or their relationship would, which I thought was clever. And this is pretty much the same kind of episode commenting on the friendship aspect of trying to find something that two people both like to do together. And the concept of, you know, if someone, if person A likes something, but person B doesn't, or if person B uh, doesn't like something and person A doesn't, then, you know, is it right for a person? And in both friendships and relationships, you have to give and take, basically do something that the other person doesn't like to do. And uh, this was also the theme of the episode peaked off now that I think about it, which was a very... Uh, Another very interesting uh, example of that kind of story about trying uh, to do the right thing. And uh, the, the concept of the robotics club... Uh to go off on a little tangent, uh, uh, reminds me a lot of, I don't know if any of you out there are familiar with uh, the comic strip Nancy that's been running for years, uh, but last year uh, the strip was taken over by a woman named Olivia James, who kind of like brought a new atmosphere to the strip while kind of keeping it in its roots, um, and uh, in her incarnation of the strip, uh, Nancy is a young girl who is, you know, kind of like the girl who thinks she's always right and refuses to listen when someone tells her she's doing the wrong thing and just makes excuses. Uh, there's a running storyline in the strip uh, where Nancy joined the robotics club, but then uh, she had a falling 
going out with one of her friends and she decided to quit the club, which was a situation uh, she later regretted. But of course, she's so stubborn that she she she's like uh, she tries to frame it as if, you know, it wasn't her fault that she did it. She's like, you know, I, I didn't quit the robotics club. They forced me out of it. And it's not like I miss the robotics club and I would do anything to get back in it because they're, uh, I obviously don't think they're having more fun than me. When, of course, the exact opposite is true. So just the fact that it involved the robotics club and friendship uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of that. But uh, one other thing I really liked about this episode was there were a lot of funny gags. I like the thing with Sid being so naive uh, regarding the Lucha and being distracted by a butterfly and everything. And I also liked uh, the joke with uh, her father, Stanley, saying, uh, you know, you should join uh, the Model Train Club. And then later on in the episode, after they point out, you know, they've exhausted all their options, he's like, even the Model Train Club? And Sid says, no, they canceled it this year due to lack of interest. And he just has a nervous breakdown and and stops the subway completely and Ronnie Ann's like, is he able to do that? And Sid's like, yeah it's not the first time it happened and I think the Shang family as a whole are like breakout characters because that was just really funny he's just so emotional that he doesn't want to do his job anymore uh, Lincoln gets a lot of his personality from uh, Lynn Sr. So I'm wondering if uh, Sid gets a lot of her personality from her dad because she was doing a lot of childlike things in this episode and his nervous breakdown over the model train club is something a child would do. So uh, I think there's a lot of inferences, perhaps intentional, perhaps not, that a lot of the uh, kids in the show get you know, the same kind of behavior that their parents do, like it's hereditary which is one of the things I really like about the show. Yeah, really well said on the review. Um, in terms of my thoughts on the episode, it's kind of like what you were saying with it being similar to Racing Hearts in terms of, like, um, the two, um, I, I don't want to say a couple, yeah, the two uh, people in the, like, um, in the t in partnership pretty much, you know, not having the same interests or same talents or the same clubs and not being an issue in terms of uh, two people wanting to do the same things. But um, they resolved the episode by combining it. A little bit of a different style than Racing Hearts in which they both found something that they were both bad at and connected by being bad at that activity. So it's a pretty interesting spin. And um, I feel like uh, uh, Clink and McLeod episode has been kind of similar to this. The closest one I could come up with is the one, um, the spring break one, where actually they're all doing activities that they both want to do. Because uh, it's kind of rare for Lincoln and Clyde not to be into anything, uh, not the same thing. But the closest thing that comes to that is um, Clyde being into antique shopping and Lincoln not being into it. But um, that episode had to deal with more of Lincoln lying, actually. So, you know, this relationship between Sid and Ronnie Ann, it's a growing one, and it seems to be a really good partnership, honestly. I feel like these episodes have a lot of potential because, um, like you were saying, Sid's character is just so bodacious, so outgoing. She just brings so much energy, It's uh, and it goes well with Ronnie Ann's energy, who's very, um, a lot more outgoing, which is pretty crazy from the character she was all the way back in season one of The Lighthouse. And, um... It was kind of like a callback to season one of the lighthouse, you know, Ronnie Ann's um, rough side, I guess. You know, her side was willing to fight. Overall, I really love this episode, honestly. I think the next episode is pretty great. So, Ryan, do you have any final thoughts? 
Yes, I wanted to point out some interesting things about some of the voice actors that were in this episode. Uh, there were two kids uh, in the Lucha Libre uh, club. Their names were Becky and Artemis. And I just wanted to point out some uh, other roles that some of the uh, voice actors who, um, who um, uh, are... They had uh, Becky was voiced by Abby Trot, who has done a number of interesting roles. Uh, she's the voice of Ivy on the Netflix show Carmen San Diego. And one interesting thing that I thought was really interesting is that uh, if any of you out there are video game fans, uh, she actually sings the theme song uh, in the opening of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which I thought was amazing. And uh, Artemis is voiced by David Arago Jr., who has done a number of voices over the years but the other interesting thing uh to me is because it's one of my other all-time favorite cartoons is uh that he is the new voice of ferb on phineas and ferb and will uh be voicing him in the movie that's coming out on disney plus next year so i thought that was pretty neat awesome awesome so the next Kasugan episode and i really like this one was called vacation days and it centers around marie and ronnie ann um i really like that partnership um uh, more on that later, but, um, the episode is really, um, really relatable in terms of, like, people who can understand having, um, parents, relatives, or even themselves having to go through such the long process of, like, like, a job that just have crazy hours, and, um, Maria's a nurse, and, you know, any, um, job in a medical field that, uh, works around a general hospital can just have insane workloads and insane amount of responsibilities but in this episode she actually gets the day off and um in a in a very similar style to the lighthouse um when a parent gets the day a uh, day off that is not even close to a relaxing day because all and um, pretty much every single member of the family needs them and at that very moment and needs them for something urgent i mean you go back to the um, season one episode uh overnight success uh if i'm thinking of the right episode that may not be the right title but um actually i don't think that's the cor uh, correct title but um an episode in which um lincoln uh is working on a project and he has to wait like forever for his uh, parents to be available because his sisters have him doing all sorts of tasks and then he finally goes to the mcbride's house and they already are there for him. I think it's called Attention Deficit, actually. And, um, yeah, this episode is very similar to that, Ronnie, and just trying to get her mom's attention because she has a whole day planned for them. But, um, all the other, um, Casa Grande, um, the family members, young and old, are actually, um, asking Maria for a ton of help and uh, a ton of advice. Even, um, Maria's, uh, and Ronnie Ann's dad actually calls her about a rash. So it's a very, um, fast-paced episode for sure, especially the scene, a pretty funny scene where Ronnie Ann and, um, Maria get lost in a bus station and go around town looking for each other and pretty much end up, uh, at the same, uh, end up in an apartment, uh, pretty much the whole day to get a ruin because of that. So, very, uh, fast-paced, a uh, very, uh, nice episodes of Relatable and the uh, struggles that Maria goes through in her jobs, and, um, Ronnie Ann once again showing how great of a kid she is by letting, uh, Maria get a break at the end of the day. So, uh, what are your thoughts about the episode? I really like this episode, too, because, as you said, there was a lot going on. It's also very funny, and it was also relatable, as you said, because I think anyone who has a parent or some sort of family member has situations like this where they really want to do something with a number of member of the family, but something gets in the way, like... Um, I, I'm a only child myself, but 
there there are still situations where I want to do something uh, with my mom, but she has to wait for someone like someone's uh, going to do a renovation or someone needs to bring a bird that they have to board. Um, and, you know, everything has to be put on hold until that happens. So it gets kind of annoying sometimes. But, you know, those are the things you can't plan for and I thought it was really interesting that this episode uh like every episode uh has the basic formula that all the episodes of the loud house the Casa Grandes follow where a character really wants something but they get it and then it goes wrong but it was kind of interesting that this was split up in in that the character getting something wanting something getting it and then how it goes wrong are almost like an A plot and a B plot almost or not really since they're both about the same character and a B plot is usually about a secondary character but it's it was kind of interesting how the first part of the episode was about uh, Ronnie and being frustrated that uh, she, uh, her mother, was not able to keep the promise that they were going to have a fun day in the city together, and uh, how she tries to speed things up in order to have that time together. And the second part of the episode was all about her not realizing how overtired uh, Maria was, both from her work and everything she had to do that day, and how how they ended up getting separated and lost in the city as a result. But there, there, and the ending was very cute. I thought it was very cute that Ronnie Ann realized that her mother was so overworked that she really couldn't enjoy the day, even if it had gone right. So he just, she just let her sleep for the rest of the night. And the ending was very cute because Maria had to go off to work. And, you know, she was like, you know, do you want to come to the hospital with me? You know, it's not going to be these the same, but we're still going to spend some time together, which I thought was a very nice way of resolving the story and giving Ronnie Ann what she wanted, uh, even if it wasn't what she had expected in the first place. And the other thing I loved about this episode was it was a very funny episode and the visuals were great. Um, uh, the, the scene where they're running around the city and um, it's like a, a little Pac-Man board. You just yeah. see them around on a map of the city. That was very clever. And, and there were a lot of funny jokes, especially with uh, all the ridiculous things uh, that the family was doing, like Bobby keep, keeps uh, having weird, very petty injuries happening to him, like he gets a splinter and then he gets hot sauce on the finger where he had the splinter, and of course, which is very minor, but of course, Bobby is really emotional and he, he makes it out like the worst thing in the world. And there was also a very funny uh, joke, uh, running gag, where uh, Maria he uh, fell asleep uh, in the subway station and she was woken up because a pigeon stole her coffee and started uh, squawking at her and then throughout the rest of the episode we see this over-caffeinated pigeon running around chasing people and there's even a bit in the Pac-Man scene where we see Ronnie and Maria going off in different directions and all of a sudden there's a little icon of a pigeon that's going twice as fast that goes by both of them which i thought was really funny but i agree this was definitely a very fun episode and a very relatable episode and along with croaked is probably one of the best episodes of the show so far because much like croaked it's something that practically everyone can relate to but it's also done in such a way that 
It isn't condescending, but also it's very funny, which is a, a, a difficult thing to do. But I think they pull it off very well, uh, you know, telling a story about something that happens in a family, but also making it very funny. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Um, the bit with uh, with them finding the strangers that look just like um, like the person they're looking for is pretty funny, too. And, um, yeah, do you have any final thoughts about the episode? think so awesome so now we are in the ryan news corner um ryan what news do you have for us this week, I want to talk about two departures from the Loud House world uh, that were uh, discussed on social media uh, this week. Uh, in late October, on her Facebook page, Gray Griffin made a comment about the fact that that particular day, I forget what exact day it was, but it was one of the last days in October, was the last time she was recording the show uh, with her son, Tex Hammond. She regarded, she commented on the fact it's, you know, she wasn't sad or anything. She was like, you know, he's just getting older and reaching puberty to the point where he's not able to Lincoln, to voice Lincoln anymore. So eventually the torch is going to be passed to a new Lincoln, which is going to be uh, which is going to be the fourth one, I think, uh, or the fifth, if you count the fact he was voiced in the original pilot. So I think this is really interesting passing of the torch, as Gray put it, because it's very interesting that uh, Tex, you know, he's a very young man, but, well, not young anymore, because he's going to be 13 next year, so he's, you know, aging out of the Lincoln Loud age, so... Uh, but it's very interesting that uh, Gray pointed out that, you know, he really wanted to voice Lincoln Loud. And after he auditioned for the role and uh, he got the part, uh, Gray called him at school uh, to tell him that he got it. And he was so proud that he was crying. So I, uh, all of the actors who have played Lincoln have done a fantastic job. But I think Tex has done a very great good job as well. I don't know if I can choose between a because they all sound so similar, which, of course, is exactly the point, but they all brought something special to the role, and uh, I hope they bring Tex back in some capacity because I think it's really cool that two of the voice actors on the show related to each other because it is, of course, a show about family, and uh, the original uh, Lincoln, uh, Grant Palmer, has uh, had a recurring show on the role now that he's a teenager slash adult and he's been given a teenager slash adult character role who is a character named Grant who is uh, the um, he was an employee at the Bourbon Burger but then he later got a job at Lynn's Table so it's very cool that he shows up again uh, every so often. Uh, the second Lincoln Colin Dean hasn't really made any return appearances but hopefully he does sometime down the line and hopefully Tex does as well because as with all the Lincolns uh, he's still Still, all, he'll still always be a part of the Loud family, and we thank him for uh, what he's brought to Lincoln over the years, uh, both in the episodes that have already aired and the ones that are yet to come, which are featuring uh, his voice um, that haven't aired yet. I It's probably going to be a while since we hear the new Lincoln, but I definitely congratulate Tex and hope he continues to get more roles because he's, he's a very smart, very intelligent very humble young man from what i've seen him post on social media and i think much like his mother he has a very long career ahead of him 
And the other departure I wish to discuss is on November 1st, uh, storyboard artist Jordan Rosado remarked that after five years, she is leaving both The Loud House and Nickelodeon Animation, which is, again, a, a, a departure that's sad, but I also know that she's probably going to go on to greater things. She's like one of the few storyboard artists who's been through, front, through, through on the show from its inception through its very beginning like and she's she's done a lot she's done a lot of fantastic episodes she's done a lot of fantastic stories for the graphic novels she's done a lot of fantastic promotional art uh, along with Miguel Puga she storyboarded uh, really loud music which is the episode that won them their Emmy um, and uh, she's of course also one of the staff members who is uh, kind of immortalized in the show because uh, the recurring character of Girl Jordan is named after and uh, modeled after her. And uh, she is also one of the artists who has done some storyboard work on the Loud House movie, uh, which is what she was working on uh, before she uh, left last week. And I don't know what she's going to do next, what studio, what show she's going to co go on to, but uh, again, I thank her for her service. It's really disheartening to see her leave as well because she was like such an important part of the Loud House universe. But again, she's a very, very talented artist, and I did know that the best is yet to come for her as well since she's still young and she has definitely a long career ahead of her too. So I look forward to see, seeing what she's going to do next. No, really well said, and um, going back to the Lincoln line, um, Tex had a great run with Lincoln. Um, he really uh, brought a very uh, young, uh, young feel to the character. Something that um, uh, Colin actually had uh, when he first started with Lincoln, but Tex had it during his entire run. It's gonna be crazy to see like when his voice um actually kind of changes because Lincoln still sounds uh, pretty young like a kid. He's um it kind of seems like the writing style almost fits the character to an extent, so that's pretty interesting to see. And um yeah, just um going to the next staff change. It's um that original writing and storyboard cast just um it keeps changing um. It's bittersweet because, you know, it's tough to see some of these people and names you've known for a while leave, but it's great because we get to see new uh, talent come into the show. So um, it's uh, it's changing times in a lot of, but we are used to it. Very much so, and I'm looking forward to what's coming. All right, guys. Uh, Ryan, where can we find you? Okay, uh, I'm usually most active on my Twitter, which is at RWMead. I occasionally uh, post a couple of pieces of art and some other random photos and thoughts on my Instagram, which is RyanWMead. And I also run a secondary Twitter account, which is solely devoted to the Loud House Casa Grandes, which is at Loud Ramblings, which, which is a combination of news updates about the show and the occasional roleplay slash a verbal comic strip gag written in in character as one of the uh, characters from the Loud House or Casa Grande's universe says, uh, if you have an amusing question for one of the Louds of the Casa Grande's, uh, be sure to ask them on that account and you'll probably get an amusing answer, which obviously I helped them write, but... Alright. Thank you for coming on and thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you guys next time. Remember, stay loud.